Hi there, you are listening to the Apocalypse Polfcast. My name is Andrew Polfer. This is my wife, Jen. For the first time on our podcast, we have a guest whose name is Kaylee. Say hi, Kaylee. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Also, we have her wonderful husband, George. Woo. George, whoop. Nice. <laughs> Off in the distance. We were talking That's about strong women, and it only felt right to have my wife, Jen, yeah. and our good friend, Kaylee. So, Jen, why don't you take it away? So, today... As we talk about women, I just want to start off by making the point that this is not a debate about whether women are created strong. Women are inherently strong. We have to birth children. Mm -hmm. Um, We work. We take care of others. We withstand relentless amounts of stress and weight Mm -hmm. and pressure. Mm -hmm. And God has created us to do that. So this isn't questioning that fact but what we want to do today is to talk about how to draw your strength from Christ not to rely on your own strength because that will always fail you in the end but this is talking about how do we as women who follow Jesus draw our strength from him and what does that look like in a society that says hashtag strong women and you just see so many pictures of women at the gym or working to achieve their own personal goals, but maybe it's not centered in what God has called us to do. So today that's what we want to talk about. Preach. So I thought it'd be cool to have you on today, Kaylee, because I consider you to be a very strong woman, but we want today to define what that means, particularly in relation to scripture, um, in relation to being humble before the Lord. What does it look like to be strong in the church? And you have worked at our church's young adult ministry, the Jordan, for how long? Eight years. Eight years. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about your role and how you've kind of led women over the last eight years. Yeah, so I kind of stumbled into ministry, didn't know that was a job. And so Elise, who had my job before me, just trained me and ultimately saw potential in me more than I saw myself. And so that led me into just women's ministry with admin, overseeing small groups, you name it, events. And it's been met with probably hundreds of women. And it's been really cool just to see their similarities and differences and really just trying to figure out who they are in Christ. Do you want me to mansplain mansplaining? (laughs) Actually, maybe. That might be helpful. All yeah. right, buckle up. We're going to talk about mansplaining, ladies. <laughs> you ready to understand mansplaining? I'm dying to know. When a man thinks that a lady can't figure out something on their own, a man takes a really long time and te- teaches it to you like you're a baby. <laughs> Michael Scott edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, mansplaining. I just mansplained. Boom. Mansplaining. Roasted. I really needed help, so thank you. Do you remember that time, Andrew, we opened we opened for this band? And I was in the middle of setting up. As I'm setting up, uh, when you're opening for a band, usually their stuff stays on the stage, and you kind of have to just work around it. So I was next to the other guitar player's pedal board from the other oh, band. Oh, no, here we go. And he came up to me, oh. and... He introduced himself, and at first I was thinking, oh, how nice, like the, the 
headlining band wants to meet us. That almost never happens. Usually a headlining band doesn't care mm -hmm. who's opening for them. That's been the majority of our experience anyway. So I was kind of surprised and pleased that somebody was trying to go out of their way to say hello to us. And then he was like, I'm so-and-so. I actually don't remember his name. And he was oh like, gosh. do you know? <laughs> He's like, do you know what this is down here? And he kind of points oh, down no. at the floor to his pedal board. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, I just want to make sure you understand that you shouldn't step on anything here. Don't touch it. Don't touch any of the knobs. Like, it's really, really important that you steer clear of this because if you do, it's going to mess up my settings. So just please be really careful. And, you know, he was just kind of really talking down to me. Do you think that's because you're a female? Well, that's the thing that got me is I was thinking if this was any one of these right. four dudes you that just are assume here they know standing what in doing. my spot, yeah, he would not have talked to them this way. And I feel like that is a really good example of what women have been kind yeah, of dealing with definitely. from dudes since probably the beginning of time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, in one way or another. And so I think one of the things that I've loved about sharing a band with my wife, I'm not in charge. We do this together. This is a partnership. Yeah. And like our business is filed as a partnership. It's the two of us together. And I, and I think you, Kaylee, you know, and like, and, and I think that was one of the reasons why it was exciting to have you on this particular episode because, you know, and getting to see the way that you do ministry, it, it has, it has an incredible incredible weight to the way that we the success of our ministry without you i know that we're we'd be lost and so so thank you for how hard you work and how how you're like a glue for it yeah thank you so i think in this culture where i think women over you know hundreds of years have had to kind of fight for the rights that they have today whether it's the right to work or the right to vote mm -hmm. um Equal pay, which still doesn't exist. Still fighting. Um, just things like that. Kind of in the midst of that, I think maybe we overcorrect sometimes, and now there's this huge expectation that you can have it all and do it all, and if you don't, then you're not enough or you don't measure up to the women around you who do have it all um, and do it all and do it well, or at least that's what it looks like on social media. Um, so doing ministry for millennial women in particular, eight years, I think a lot's changed in that time yeah. in our culture. Have you seen a shift in just kind of women's mentality or stress levels or like what have you seen from that age group? Yeah, I think it's the stress level has gone up a lot because of social media. You're able to compare which is a lot of females' insecurities comparison, and that's just highlighted with social media. So I think from the beginning, I mean, I started, was I was 22 years old and still figuring out who I was, and I'm 30 now and still figuring out who I am. And so just, you know, talking to other women, the main thing is just comparison and feeling pressure that their relationship with Jesus is so much better, or they're doing three ministries or they're working full-time and they are going to school, all these things just makes them feel not good enough. And so I think a common theme over the years is that I've seen women not feel that they're good enough at what they do, who they are, um, and just what society is telling them to fight a little bit harder to mm -hmm. be equal. 
Yeah. So what do you, like, what have you found that is helpful to people? Like, what do you say when somebody comes into your office and just is feeling that pressure? I mean, the first thing I do is just listen. I think when one woman slash people just want to be heard. And then second is just encourage. And then third, I think, is just being vulnerable. That's something I've learned over the eight years is to really figure out how to be vulnerable as a leader and not if I if they see that I have everything together, then it's how are we any different? When I can say, this is what I'm struggling with. These are my faults. This is my insecurities. And we're in this together and that our Lord covers all of those things. But I think it's just kind of a unity of just someone who's leading other women is being vulnerable and I think that's a huge trait that is confusing because it's we don't want to be seen as weak or at least I personally don't but I think being a strong woman is someone who is vulnerable yeah totally I think that's so good and I think knowing your capacity and having wisdom in the midst of huge taking on responsibility is something that I had to learn and Kaylee, you and I talked a lot about this when I first had my daughter, Hazel. She's five. And when she was first born uh, during pregnancy and then her first year of life was our busiest season we've ever had in Love Light. We were flying everywhere. She was five weeks old when I first took her to her first gig where she stayed in the green room. cool. She was two months old the first time she rode in an airplane to Toronto. We played a two-day festival in Toronto. and mm. It's interesting because during that first year of her life, I felt like proud of myself that I was mm. still doing yeah. things. And, and then all of a sudden, like right around the time she turned one, I hit a wall. Yeah. Really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where I just started to resent the thing that I loved the most, leading worship and doing ministry and playing music. And I just ended up in this really intense uh resentment and frustration where I sat down with you one time and I was like, I feel like I have two purposes in mm-hmm. this world. One is to lead worship and one is to be a mom. And right now they're completely fighting one another and right. I don't know what to do. Right. I'm so frustrated. Because Hazel needed you a lot during that time. Yeah. Yeah. She had crazy separation anxiety. Yeah. And I remember the cry. first time that we, we noticed that something was wrong with Hazel with the separation anxiety. When we were we were actually opening for Phil Wickham underneath the Angels A in, oh my in gosh, Anaheim. Wow. So it was a cool, it was a really cool thing. But we we uh, we had Jin's cousin come and watch Hazel. She she did an amazing job of watching her. Yeah, great. And so we had full confidence handing her to to a family member. But just Hazel started like scream crying, and we. We took all our clothes off because we we're like, is she, did she get bit by a spider? I, thought, I seriously thought something bitter because we were outside oh and she, yes. it was so sudden. <laughs> but it, it was interesting to see like, like for me, I was able to separate that from, from my, my viewpoint when it was time to play. But I, I felt like you were carrying both things that you were thinking oh, yeah. about Hazel and mm. playing music. Mm-hmm. And so that... Like, can you explain how, what it feels like for your brain to live in those two spots? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of women can probably relate to this 
where you just feel guilty no matter what you do. And I felt guilty walking away and putting her in somebody else's arms. Uh, there was actually one time in Virginia where I had had a babysitter lined up and then the person changed last minute and I had to leave her with a stranger. Oh, and she was screaming so and I'm handing her to a stranger with a huge lump in my throat walking out on the stage oh, to lead worship. And I felt so like I'm the worst mother in the mm -hmm. world. I'm leaving my kid with a total stranger, even though it's 25 minutes, right? you know, but it felt like an eternity for Hazel and for me, I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure. And <laughs> And so once I decided, okay, I need to slow down and I need to start saying no sometimes, then I felt guilty for being home and not for being next to my husband wow. in this ministry that we built together. Yeah. All of a sudden he was by himself more than I was with him. Hmm. And I also received uh, a lot of pressure from promoters and bookers and people saying, well, you guys are a duo. Mm -hmm. We're hiring both of you. So where wow. is your wife? Wow. Because this is not what we are paying you here for so it was and he was getting all that pressure when I wasn't even there right so it was kind of like no matter what I did if I stayed home lose, and fulfilled lose. my role yeah. as a mother if oh, I went and did my dream I always felt guilty no matter what you finally have it all career marriage family You've gotten little to no sleep, but get the kids to school on time, get to work on time, excel in your career, keep the house clean, cook healthy organic meals, drink enough water, work out, stay fit, stay organized, stay relevant, wear makeup, wear stylish clothes, or at the very least clean clothes, style your hair, date your husband, get coffee with friends, maintain a social media presence, raise healthy kids who don't get cavities, get good grades, are smart, well-adjusted, and do not exceed the recommended amounts of screen time. Multitask gracefully. Don't grind your teeth, don't lose your temper, don't overeat, don't cry, don't let anxiety get the better of you, don't get depressed, don't rest when you're sick, don't sleep, don't drop the ball. Have you finally earned the respect of those around you? Slay queen. Is this what God intended? Is this what's truly required of us, or does God simply ask us to align our hearts with His, to see ourselves as He sees us, and to walk only down the paths He has created for each of us uniquely? I once heard someone say that nearly everyone is walking through life with a full plate. It's just that some of us were given smaller plates than others. It's about capacity. What has God given each one of us the unique capacity to accomplish? Some of us were wired by God to conquer the world and raise a family all at once, pursuing new adventures and new opportunities whenever they present themselves. And some of us were wired by God to take one step at a time, pouring a full cup of energy and focus into only a few carefully selected passions. And here is the Christ-centered reality. One lifestyle is not better than the other. Oh, how tempting it is to compare ourselves to one another. How deceitfully delicious those moments when we feel superior to our neighbor. And how limiting and lonely when we feel inferior to our friends. 
Our comparison walks us down paths God never intended for us, and we subsequently push ourselves too hard and not hard enough. But how can an orchid judge a rose? They are both flowers. They are both beautiful. They look different, but they grew from the same source. God, help us to remember to seek daily the voice of the Holy Spirit, guiding us, molding us, and shaping us into your perfect image. Jesus, bring us into a place of celebration where we lift each other up and walk in confidence that our unique paths and stories are authored by you, our Creator. The garden is diverse, but the soil is the same. Psalm 139, 13-16 For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Talking with you over the past five years, how were you at now? I mean, now I've just decided that sometimes I say yes and sometimes I say no. And I still deal with that a little bit. We just played a camp that was really fun up in Forest Home. And what I decided to do is I did the first day and a half and then I went home for the mm -hmm. second day and a half. It was my first night away from Rockwell who just turned two. He's never been away from me before. So I was yeah, like, this is a great crazy. test. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go yeah. and see how he does. And then I'll come home in case he freaks out. Turns out he was fine. But I still, even then, like as I was going home, I kind of felt like I was um, giving up a little bit by not staying That's for the whole thing. That's my question is, how do you guys deal with when Jen has to stay home with the kids and Paul forgets to go play and live the dream? Or how do you guys deal with that in marriage and taking turns? Or I'm just curious yeah. for my future. So it, it was definitely hard at first. I mean, there was a, an adjustment period. Do you want to talk about that, Andrew? Yeah, so I, I was usually the the guy where the promoter was like, "Where's your wife?" <laughs> and I'm like, angel. "I'm like, what? What's wrong with me?" Yeah, it's true. I'm here. Oh, I'm just kidding. But I think like in in just setting expectations, where mm -hmm. it where it is yeah a, a cooperative spirit to be like, this is what this is what our family needs. This is what I need right now. This is what you need. And so, like, it, it, it took us recalibrating and, and figuring out what our rhythm needed to look like in order to have health. You know, the, 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 like, it was a new expectation that we had to discover. As yeah. Jen's learning her new capacity, you mm -hmm. know, communicating that. Yeah, and it changes all the time because first I had a newborn and I was mm -hmm. a first-time mom, mm -hmm. and my capacity was very little, and yet I was doing way more than probably most I'm people sure. should. Yeah. Um, but then Hazel got older and she got more comfortable and I was able to start mm -hmm. doing more again. And right as that happened, I got pregnant for the second time yeah. and it all sort of hit the reset button all over again. So I think mm -hmm. it just sort of, for me, I've had to always readjust. And I'll be honest, I still struggle 
with feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. And that's something I have to give to the Lord all the time and just realize. I think ultimately for me, it was coming to the conclusion that being a mother is my highest and greatest mm-hmm. calling. And for this season that I'm in, when they're little, like that's going to go by so fast that I don't want to miss that stuff. And I don't want to be gone all the time and miss those moments with my kids while they're small. So right now, motherhood comes first Mm -hmm. and it will come first for this season. And then there'll be some day where they're older and they're kind of don't want me around anyways. (laughs) I mean, I hope that's not the case, but they, they're going to want space. And when that day comes, when they want space Mm -hmm. is going to be the day that I can say, okay, if you're fine, then I'm going to go do this. And just, you know, hopefully I'm not too old and tired by the (laughs) day. It's not over. There's hope. It's not over. And I don't feel done. You know, I still, I still have songs in me. I still love to sing. I still have interest outside of my house that hasn't changed Mm -hmm. I've just had to make the choice to say this comes first and sometimes that's really lonely and hard yeah and I think that's a good point is being a strong woman is making decisions and Mm -hmm. being like that's really hard I think like like strength is not buckling under someone else's expectation of you Mm, oh that's good but strength is like like i've seen you live in jen is like you decide what your strength is not let someone else do that Hmm. yeah totally i'm gonna put boom on there (laughs) preach (laughs) to your own comment Bam, Paul. Yeah. Killed it. <laughs> strong, hashtag strong man. Oh my goodness. Hashtag a strong man is recognizing a strong woman. <laughs> boom. I'm going to put another boom. 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 <laughs> That's good. That's Do, we did realize that there are fewer hashtags for strong men, right? Yes. 8 million versus 200,000. A little bit of a difference. A little bit of a difference. That's why. Yeah. Like we have to be like, we are strong. So we're going to have to. Yeah. Somebody believe yeah. me. I'm strong. Yeah. Pay attention. Well, I, I think like, like politically right now, this is like a, a interesting time in culture where, where there seems like there's some sort of gen, gender culture war. Oh yeah. That, oh, hundred percent. And, and it, like to to see that become a point of separation instead of unity, I think it is would be awesome if the church led that conversation mm-hmm. to say what does it look like to live in community with with equal footing and partnership with with both genders. Actually, researching scripture, and I was looking at the Proverbs thirty one woman, and when you really look at that and you break it down. That is the classic example of a hard-working mother who works both inside and outside of yeah. the home. And there's a verse in there that says, like, she rolls up her sleeves and you can see that her arms are strong. Yep. I love that. It's you know, so good. She looks at the future and she laughs. Like, it's just this really confident person. And yeah. then you've got Mary and Martha. Yes. Where Martha's the one busy and she goes up to Jesus and says, aren't you going to tell Mary to help me? Look at everything I'm doing. And she's just sitting there. 
at your feet, you right. know, and Jesus says, I, this is what I want. I'm not going to take that away from her. And that's a, two like really different women. Right. And scripture praises them both. So I think the key has to be balance. You have mm. to be on your face. You have to be in the presence of Jesus and willing to rest. And then he gives you the strength and he's the one who wires you to do however much or little that he's created you to do. Know your capacity and then do that and don't do more and that, don't do yeah. less. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in with that discernment of, okay, is this a, what is best for my family? Just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into that instead of this is just my feelings right now. But, yeah. you know, which I can often get into that. But I think just allowing the Holy Spirit to move within you to give you some discernment and wisdom. Five years ago, I was playing Ultimate Frisbee with like Jordan people. And it was mostly guys. And if I missed a catch, like they would never, ever throw it to me again. Like I felt yeah. like I had to like be perfect when I was playing with them because then I'm a girl and you never want to pass to me again like I don't know if you have anything musically or a hundred percent it's just like okay you have to be perfect where they can mess up because they'll get passed to you again but if I mess up I can don't get mm -hmm. to play you know well in relation to sports I will be the first to say I should never get passed to <laughs> Don't pass to Jen. Don't pass to me. <laughs> I am fully afraid of the ball. The sun's in my eyes, all those things. But, yes, actually, yeah. in music, I, I did feel the pressure to play perfectly um, right away. Right. Even The funny thing, though, is with Love Light and the people, the first people who were in the band ages ago, um, we're kind of on the better side of things where we needed a guitar player and I was the only one who wasn't holding an instrument and I hadn't known how to play electric guitar at the time. Mm. And our drummer looked at me and he said, you need to learn electric guitar. And it wasn't in a condescending way. It was like, you can do it, so do it, because mm. it's a role that needs to be filled. Right. And like empowering? I, it was empowering, yeah. It was just like, you got to do it. And right, and you can. You want to do it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you let's can. Go. You know, it wasn't, let's go hire a guitar player. It was, That's Jen's cool. not holding an yeah. instrument. Have her play guitar. Yeah. And so I appreciated that, but I did still feel like, okay, I can't mess up, because all these guys are really good, and while I know acoustic guitar, it's a totally different thing to play electric. Um, but yeah, I have kind of always felt the pressure to play perfectly or even kind of going back to the example of that guy mansplaining yeah. a pedal board to me. Right. I remember that whole night feeling like I better play awesome or else because I want to prove that yeah. I know what I'm doing and I don't deserve to be talked to like yeah. that, which is kind of comes down to a pride issue. I think right, <laughs> it's like yeah. it shouldn't matter. I mean, but like even like girl drummers, yeah. like, like that being a thing. Mm -hmm. And like people <laughs> remarking on it, it's like that's so true. Yeah, I have I have felt like in jobs I've had and instruments I've played, and so I'm wondering how we shift that culture because if we're like, hey, don't say that, we look like, oh, our feelings are hurt. So I'm trying to think of what that looks like to address a male who's just thinks we can't make the cut because we're a female or whatever their mm -hmm. you know context is for what we're doing. I'm just wondering what's a positive way of changing that culture and I don't know if I have thoughts. I, I don't know if I have an answer. I think for me it's just been quietly proving myself and earning respect and that's a big part of the challenge is I think maybe maybe you can 
disagree. Do men have to earn respect, or do you think it's just kind of offered? I think it's a shorter road. Hmm. Shorter road, That's yeah. Because I, I just think that capable people, regardless of their gender, um, should be platformed and should be given authority and leadership roles because we're better for it as followers. Mm-hmm. Something that I've seen in in my relationship with you, Jen, is that you have a determination to live up to your own standard that you've set for yourself and for the standards that you've seen inside of scripture. I don't ever feel like there was any room for me to limit you the entire time that I've known you. You know, like you've always, um, you had a determination about how you wanted your particular world to be. And I've always admired that. And I, I hope our daughter models that after modeling after you. I sat down on a boulder about 30 feet from a rushing stream. I was only about eight or nine years old, but somehow I had caught several fish that day. My dad looked humored in the way that someone looks when they are both surprised and impressed at the same time. He sat across from me with a huge pocket knife, a trademark item that you'll still find on him to this day. One by one, he sliced open each trout, preparing them for cleaning. Then he set a large painter's bucket in front of me, handed me an open fish, and said, Now you're going to gut it. My eyes widened in genuine little kid shock. He proceeded to show me how to use my bare hands to pull all of the insides out of the slippery creature, the proper way to hold it so that it wouldn't slide out of my grip, how to efficiently pull everything out in a few motions, and then toss the gooey remains into a bucket, leaving a finished product that was clean and ready to cook. After helping me with the first couple fish, he walked away and left me to my task. I sat alone, oddly content, working on fish after fish, even though this was significantly more repulsive than sitting by a quiet stream with a fishing pole in my hand. I successfully removed the insides from about three fish before he came back and told me I could be done if I wanted. I elected to finish the one I was working on and then went about my day a little less squeamish than when I woke up. This is a good representation of the dynamic I've always had with my dad. As a contractor, he would sometimes bring me with him to job sites and let me see what a house looks like mid-build. He taught me how to paint a room and how to patch a hole in the wall. He gave me my first guitar lessons and played drums for my high school garage band. He shared his life with me, even though there was absolutely nothing feminine about it. And yet, for all his masculinity, he was still willing to dress up in a tuxedo and walk with me across a small stage while I wore a fluffy white dress and a little girl pageant. He still paid for sparkly ice skating costumes and made props for my competitions where I would float around the ice to classical music, which is about as girly as I've ever gotten. He was and still is the same way with my mom respecting her independence, but also ready to support and come alongside whenever she needs him. Here's the thing. As women, we are often told that we are less than. Whether with words or with actions, we are told that we are good, but not good enough. We hear families talk about how they kept having kids because they were, quote, trying for a boy. I've even heard that in regards to my own kids. 
Now you can be done having kids because you've got one of each. These ideas are not malicious, but they reflect a lot. In many ways, less is expected of women and less is celebrated. I'm thankful to be able to say that my dad never made me feel like I wasn't enough. He took me to job sites and on fishing trips, not because he wished I was a boy, but because he loved me. That's it. As far as I can tell, there was no deeper philosophy about gender. I just think he wanted me to suck it up and gut the fish. And really, I think that's all a lot of us women are looking for. For our fathers, husbands, brothers, and friends to treat us with the same respect and expectation that is afforded to our male counterparts. To enjoy the inclusion and enthusiasm that is typically given so naturally to men starting at birth. Obviously, men and women are different, each with natural strengths and weaknesses, created by God to complement one another, but one is not better than the other. We are different, but equally valued and celebrated by our Creator. Take it from my father, the accidental feminist. A strong man, truly strong, will celebrate and respect the women in his life, recognizing that they too are strong, sometimes in different ways, but strong nonetheless. I would, I would like to look at some women in scripture who yes. were strong. Right away, I was thinking about Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And that's all you need to say now. Yeah. <laughs> Sold. Yes. She is Crazy. a celebrated woman in scripture for the most obvious reason, birthing Jesus. But her task was gnarly. I was, and I was thinking about like how she had to flee political tyranny. Everything she knew. Mm-hmm. She left home. Mm-hmm. She carried the Son of God. Oh, man. Gave birth in uh, what nobody wants no, to give birth you. in. <laughs> no, thank you. And she did that in the strength of the Lord. She did it in submission yeah, to her call. Joseph drove. <laughs> All right. Yes, stop. All right. Can you put an edit on? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> George, do stay out of this. <laughs> At least in the pictures. In the picture. In the Bible. <laughs> picture. An act of boldness that I have always loved in Scripture, in Luke chapter 7, um, it says, Then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man... If he were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. 
Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I love the act of boldness that she showed to go into a room full of Pharisees and worship Jesus in boldness. And it was that act of faith and boldness and humility and even embarrassing herself that connected her with Jesus. And he preferred her and defended her in that moment. And I think that when we as women are willing to humble ourselves, that's when we are exalted, just as scripture said, that's the case with anyone. But um, I think one way God has gifted women is allowing us to feel deeply in many ways and to worship him in a gushing manner. And that's something that he defends and champions and loves. Um, I love that story because it, it's a, she's like a worship leader in that <laughs> moment where everyone is, is, is observing her and some with criticism. But Jesus says, this is the right way that you're to worship me. And I, I love that, that in that moment, that woman is, is leading worship in that room. So ultimately, I think it's important that to be a strong woman in Christ means that you are reliant on Christ and that you recognize that it's not a sign of weakness to rely on the men in your life, your husbands, your fathers, whoever it is. Um, the men that are supportive and there for you, God has designed it that way. And that's not weakness, that's being complete and surrendering to how God created us. And that is what provides strength, is doing what you're wired to do. I think if women are dealing with that, you know, where they haven't been treated well, where they haven't had a good example of men in their life, like, find one. My mom found my dad who treated her like a queen instead of terribly, which is how her dad treated her. Before you even find one, know what that is. What yeah. is a good example of a godly man, you know? Yeah, and it, it's a man who loves Jesus first mm -hmm. and treats you with worth. Yeah. Reminded me of Esther and of the, it takes so much bravery. You know, Esther's situation in the Bible of just being a queen and trying to save the people and risking her life and you know, a lot was on the line, and I think that might not be all of our situations of our life is at risk, but those little things of bravery, like just being first aware of what that cycle is that you were brought into, and then also just, you know, surrounding yourself with community that can hold you accountable to not going back into that. And so I think that takes so much bravery from women and men to, for men to go alongside of us and care for us in a way that maybe we haven't been cared for before, or it's women allowing men to take care of them, you know, that's even more vulnerable of being hurt in the past and then having to, you know, break down those walls of, of trusting someone again. You know, find, find, a good, yeah. find a good atmosphere and a good, and a good culture to be a part of. And the same goes with whoever you you choose to spend your time with if they have this if it's just funny to them to make to make fun of the other gender 
It's like find new friends that, yeah. that don't make that a part of their joking habits. I love I love that idea that strength is is built into the identity and you recognizing the way that God has fashioned you and living in that fully is mm-hmm. where strength is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, duck's a duck. Oh man. A duck's got we a duck. We're so close. <laughs> we were so close. So close. <laughs> Two hours later. I know. Yeah. Sorry if you didn't have fun. <laughs> no, that's why I, I can't. Kaylee. All these little laughter spikes uh, are proof time. that we had fun. <sighs> that's incredible. Kaylee, do you have anything you'd like to add or any thoughts? Yeah, I think, Jen, that you are one of the strongest females that I know. And I respect you a lot of just being open in your journey of, you know, you were married for 10 years before you had kids and then you had kids and just what that change looks like. So I think for me, we can be similar in a lot that we have a lot of goals or we're driven and um, feel called to two different things maybe. But I think you're a great example of just faithfulness and being called to what God has you in in whatever season you're at. So I just want to thank you for your vulnerability, your honesty, and Pulfer for just being you. And you guys are an amazing (laughs) team. And thanks for having me on. Oh, Kaylee, thank you so much. And I would like to tell you that the reason I wanted you to be our first ever guest on the Pulfcast, you, uh, you are highly necessary to both the men and the women in your life. Mm. And I think a lot of us can look and learn from that because you do it with humility and you do it without complaining. Mm. And even as a person who's now carrying a child in you, you're still going throughout your day and you're doing your job with excellence and without mm. complaining. And I think it's it's something that is to be admired and celebrated. And we're really happy that you are here today. Awesome. This is nice. <laughs> Empowering each other. That's what it's all about. That's kind. <laughs> you know. And to our husbands. Yes. Both of us. Amazing I, husbands. Yeah, I just, I, I'm really thankful that there are good men out there who, who yes. know how to Single support Single ladies, women. there is hope, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you got someone in your life that makes you feel empowered and, and built up, mm-hmm tell them yeah and uh, help help create a uh, a culture mm-hmm. that, that shows other people that don't get to experience that that kind of treatment and that kind of uh, respect ah you have been listening to the apocalypse Wolfcast. it was great to have our good friend kaylee coltrane here with us on our bus ride through things involving strong women god bless